Hey, it's good to see you in the Lord's house today. I know that you're trying to hide from me today wearing the camo. I couldn't find my camo. I went looking for it. I was trying to find one of our Spirit Life shirts with the circle here and the camo and all that. And for whatever reasons, I couldn't find it. And I didn't want to spend a lot of money wearing, uh, buying a camo uh, shirt or whatever. I did have some shorts that I could have worn. But I've never preached in shorts before, and so I thought, I'm, you know, I'm not sure about that. I had a, a camo hat that I could have worn, and I thought, well, I'll probably get some emails about that as well, so I, I probably ought to not do that. So I was fortunate. It's the favor of God. I went down to Walmart and was browsing through some of their stuff, and I found this ugly shirt today for five bucks, and I thought... I can wear it for five bucks. I mean, I, I may not wear it again, but at least I can participate. So why do you do things like this? You know, it's just a fun little thing that our congregation can do. And the, on the more spiritual side of it, it kind of keeps us focused on where we're at and what we're doing and where we're going. We're doing life together, amen? And so it's just a lot of fun. And I appreciate you being here today. I want you to be praying for some of our constituents. They want to be in church so badly, but they are, they are having mandatory overtime being thrown at them at this particular time because the people that they work for can't find employees, and uh, they're just not able to hire people to come to work for This is a crazy time in the history of the United States, but we have jobs available that people won't take. And uh, I know that we suffer that in our child care center, and uh, even with some of the salary raises and bonuses that we've been giving, it's hard to get people to come and work and, and to stay with it. Uh, we are desperately trying to hire a kindergarten teacher before Thursday of this week when we launch uh, our new school year. Wednesday, is it? Excuse me, it's Wednesday, so it's even more important that we get someone hired so uh, if you know of anybody who would like to take a year and teach our, our kindergarten class uh, we would love to talk to them before Wednesday uh, so it's just a crazy time but some of our people are just they're telling me pastor I would be there I want to be there but my my employers are just mandating this overtime and so I think the best thing in the world we can do is to pray for them uh, that that situation will change so that they can hire the people that are necessary and then so that they can be able to return to church. But in the meantime, we're here today and God has been good to us and he has favored us so beautifully. And I'm so glad to see your smiling faces today. I'm going to start a new series of sermons uh, for the next three weeks or so. I'm going to be talking about what it what it is to have our anchor and our hope in Jesus. I shared with the prayer team today, I, I know people and deal with people even in our own congregation, that it just seems like that they are struggling with this concept of hope because it seems like that everything is so negative these days and so difficult these days. I was able to be with some pastors in the state of Kentucky yesterday as we were saying farewell to our administrative bishop. He served us for the last four years, and uh, they reappointed him and are sending him to Texas. And we have a brand new guy that's going to be starting in this week 
Uh, many of you will know him. He pastored in the state of Kentucky for a lot of years. His name's Tony Cooper, and he's coming to be our administrative bishop, and we're going to welcome him. But these pastors that I've been talking to are just so discouraged because it has been so difficult coming out of these last two years. Uh, it's not because of the disease or the plague or the, the, the virus, but it's because people have just become so complacent with their church attendance. Uh, I've talked to people who have said, Pastor, I just got so used to staying at home and watching it on TV that I just don't know if I'm ever going to come back to church or not. And I just want to encourage you to connect back with the body of Christ. Because there are some things in the body that just can't be done from the couch at home. There needs to be interaction with one another. But these pastors have been discouraged and almost to the point it seems like that they're losing hope. But I want to say to you today that I have not lost hope. I'm holding strong to the promises that God has given us, and I believe that our best days are ahead of us. They're not behind us, they are ahead of us, and we're going to see God do a mighty thing. And it's possible that there are promises that God has made you. For some of you, it may have been many years ago, God promised you certain things, and you've not seen the fulfillment of that promise yet. Don't give up. Now is not the time to lose hope. Now is the time to stand strong upon the promise that God gave you all those years ago. Because He will come through. How many of you know that's true? So if you have your Bibles with you today, I want you to take them and turn to Hebrews chapter 6. I want us to look at verse 19. It will also be on the screens for you. If you have your device, you can go there. That will be perfectly well uh, perfectly fine as well. And I want to talk about today being anchored by hope. Being anchored by hope. Now I want to start with this concept. And it is this. Hope is the anchor that holds us in our waiting seasons. Hope is the anchor that holds us in our waiting seasons. Hebrews chapter 6 verse 19 says, For we have this hope as an anchor for the soul. It is firm and secure. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for the opportunity to be here today and to uh, dive deep into your word this morning. I pray that you will allow us to take your word and be not just hearers but to be doers of the word. Because it, it is in our doing that the blessings come to us. I pray that you'll help me to preach effectively today. Say what needs to be said. Stay clear of the things that I need to mind my own business on. But Lord, to preach with courage and conviction as it pertains to your word. Let us hear it and receive it so that we can mature in our faith. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Look at that verse one more time. The first part, it says, we have this hope as an anchor for the soul. It is firm and secure. Now, an anchor is an amazing invention. It is used by fishermen. It is used by seamen, sailors. has been used for hundreds and even thousands of years. 
The basic concept of an anchor is that it is a device that is normally made of metal that is used to secure a vessel to the bed of a body of water to prevent the craft from drifting due to wind or current. Now let me just say to you that that makes absolutely no sense to me whatsoever. I am not a sailor. I've been on a boat a few times. I've been on some little uh, cruise uh, boats and ships and that kind of thing. And the idea of putting the anchor down in the middle of the storm makes absolutely no sense to me whatsoever. Because I would want to drive the boat faster so that I could get away from the storm rather than sit in the storm. But the concept of the anchor is that if you will stay put... In the midst of the storm, the anchor is what will hold you secure. You may be tossing to and fro, the right and the left, the front and the back, but if you will stay with the the protection of the anchor, it will keep you. An anchor is a simple, it's simple in its design, but it is very powerful in its function. One Bible commentator says that an anchor was an ancient Christian symbol for safety, security, and hope. And it has even been found in uh, catacombs in Rome where Christians were captured and put inside these cells in these prisons. uh, And to maintain their hope, they would carve into the walls pictures of anchors. Because they could look at that anchor and know that there was hope if they would just not give up. So today we want to understand that. That an anchor symbolizes the fact that we have hope in Christ. I remember an old song that we used to sing years ago. And I'm not going to try to sing it for you at this particular time. Because I, you know, it might not be all that great for you. But it says this on the chorus. It says, I've anchored my soul in the haven of rest. I'll sail the wide seas no more. The tempest may sweep or the wild stormy deep. But in Jesus, I'm safe evermore. How, how many of you remember that song? Anybody? Several hands went up today. That's an old song that just expresses the faith that we have held on to all of these years that there is hope in Christ Jesus. So I want to talk a little bit about this hope. I have three thoughts I want to share briefly with you this morning. And the first one is this. We are anchored in God's promise. We are anchored in God's promise. Now, I want you to look at Hebrews chapter 6, verses 13 through 17. It'll be on the screens, but I want you to look in your word and on your device if you have those as well. But let's read it together. It says, When God made his promise to Abraham, since there was no one greater for him to swear by, he swore by himself, saying, I will surely bless you. And give you many descendants. And so after waiting patiently, Abraham received what was promised. People swear by someone greater than themselves. 
And the oath confirms what is said and puts an end to all argument. Because God wanted to make the unchanging nature of his purpose very clear to the heirs of what was promised, he confirmed it with an oath. In other words, God looked around. And if he could have found anyone greater than him, he would have sworn by them. But there was no one greater than God, and there still is no one greater than God. And so when God makes a promise, he bases it upon his character. God cannot lie. He does not lie. So when God makes a promise, you can count on the fact that God will always come through. He is never going to let you down when he has given you a promise in his word. Abraham based his faith on the promise that God had given him. And so Abraham and Sarah, even though they were old, they'd look at each other every day and would say, this could be the day that the seed is planted that will bring fulfillment to, to the promise that God has given. We are not going to give up. It doesn't matter how old we're getting. If God said it, I, I believe it. It's settled. It, God is going to come through. And so they walked and they talked and they believed based on the promise of God. Now I want you to think about this for just a moment. Abraham did not have one of these. Abraham could not get up in the morning and say, I'm going to read a promise from God today. He didn't have one of these. Abraham could not go to Instagram or Facebook and look at a scripture meme and memorize that and say, oh, that's my word for the day. He couldn't do that because he didn't have this. So why and how did he continue walking by faith? Because he had a promise from God. And it was that promise that drove him each and every day. Can I tell you that we are so blessed to have the Word of God? It's amazing how many times through the years that this book and a word from this book has caused me to have the faith and the courage to walk another day believing that God would do exceeding abundantly above all that I could ask or think according to the promise and the Word of God that lives and dwells within me. I was sharing with the uh, prayer team early this morning about when I first came to this church. and I was kind of overwhelmed, honestly, with what I knew was going to have to take place here in reestablishing the ministries of this church. And I was outside one day and walking around the parking lot and just praying and asking God, where do we start? What do we do? What, you know... Uh, what, what, what is the pathway? What, what, what is, is there even any hope whatsoever? Now, I know you never believed that, but there were times that I just thought, I don't know if we can do this or not. I was out one day on the parking lot, and there was a little African-American lady that walked down the sidewalk and was walking through our parking lot, and she came by and saw me out there, and she said, she said, are you the pastor of this church? And I said, I am. And she said, good, I've been looking for you. She said, listen, 
She said, I want you to know that we don't need you to be leaving this community. We need a faith-filled, believing church in this community to help us accomplish what God has accomplishment, accomplished, wants us to accomplish. She said, you don't know this, but I live here in this neighborhood. And she said, I pray for you every day. I attend another church. I don't attend here. But every day I pray for you. And I am believing that whatever it is that God puts in your heart to do, he's going to give you the ability to do it. And I'll tell you from all of those years till now, God has been faithful to us. Amen. And I was reading not long ago, and I told you this last week, it just burns in my spirit. The Lord said to me through Scripture, He said, the harvest is ripe. It's white. It is ready to bring it in. Pray, therefore, to the Lord of the harvest that he might bring forth laborers to bring in the harvest. And I've been praying, God, send us people. I Send us unsaved people that get saved. Bring us the unconverted that get converted. Bring us those who are churched and they're just in the wrong location. And they want to find a church where they can come and not just sit on the chairs or on the pews, but they can give of their talents and their abilities and sow seed into the kingdom of God so that the word of God can spread mightily. And I am believing with everything I have in me that he's going to bring us the right people to be able to help us to accomplish what God has called us to do. And I'm praying that he'll bring them from the north and from the south and from the east and from the west. And there are going to be people coming through our doors and saying, look, I just moved to Louisville or I feel like God is doing a change in my life and in my family and we're looking for a church uh, that's not perfect but one that needs some people who are talented and can teach and can sing uh, and, be, and be active in the gifts of the Spirit and can... And we're looking for a church like that. And if you'd like to have some people like that, I'd like to come and be a part of the church. I'm telling you, it's going to happen because I'm believing that God is going to bring the right people to us. I was talking to a pastor just the other day, and he was talking about, he told me, he said, I got some people in my church they are going to be coming to your church. And I said, oh, I said, why is that? And he said, well, it's just not fitting well with me. And he said, they're going somewhere else. And they've heard about you, and they're coming to your church. I said, hold up. I said, I don't want them to come to my church. I said, what I'd like for them to do is come to your office and sit down with you and work out whatever issues that they have with you. I said, because I, I said, I'm not interested in that. Now, don't get me wrong. There are times that God moves people from church to church to church. But God does not do it in confusion because he is not the author of confusion. But when it is his will, it will be done properly and in order, and everything will be, as my brother-in-law says, hunky-dory. It'll be good, because God has brought it together. But we've got to stand firm on our faith. You say, well, you know, that was Abraham. That's been a long time ago. 
The promises that God made to Abraham may not be promises that I can count on. Now listen to what Hebrews chapter 13 verse 8 says. It says Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. If God could make a promise so many years ago, how many of you know that God can give you a promise? That God can make you a promise? Just this morning, I've had some of you asking me to help you pray about certain matters in your life. Well, let me tell you something. God is going to supernaturally provide for you everything that you're asking Him to do. Because the Bible says, if you will ask, you shall receive. And so ask and keep on asking. Seek and keep on seeking. Knock on the door and keep on knocking. Because the God of promises is going to bring to you those things that you have need of. I remember what the psalmist said one time. He said, I have been young and now I'm old. Yet I have never seen the righteous forsaken nor his seed begging bread. Listen, God is going to not going to make a beggar out of you. He's going to allow the favor of God to be released at your doorstep. I told a family not long ago, the Lord shared this with me in scripture, in, in, in prayer and in the spirit. And I texted them and I said, the Lord just said to me while I was praying for you that favor is going to find its way to your doorstep. Let me tell you, that's true for all of us today. Favor is going to find its way to our doorstep because God is a God of favor and blessing. And if we can trust His promises, it'll come our way. Hebrews chapter 6 verse 18 says, God did this so that by two unchangeable things in which it is impossible for God to lie, he who, he who have fled to ta- we who have fled to take hold of the hope set before us may be greatly encouraged. Hey, don't walk away from the hope. Don't walk, walk away from the promise. Hang in there because hope is based upon the promises of God. Secondly, hope is the anchor for our soul. Now, we're emotional people. You know that Our emotions live in the soulish realm of our being. It's it's where we're excited. It's where we're bored. It's where we're full of faith. It's where we're full of doubt. Emotions live in our soul. But we don't live by emotions. We don't live by what we feel. We live by faith. And what God has said. Amen? Is that not true? One uh, commentary writer said this by the name of Albert Barnes. He said, hope accomplishes for the soul the same thing which an anchor does for a ship. It makes it fast and secure. An anchor preserves a ship when the waves beat and the wind blows. And as long as the anchor holds The ship is safe, and the mariner apprehends no danger. So it is with the soul of the Christian. In the tempests and trials of life, his mind is calm as long as his hope in heaven is firm. If that gives way, he feels that all is lost. Our hope has to be in heaven. You know, this world is a place where you and I are just passing through. Did you know that? We're just just 
pilgrims passing through, the old timers used to say. You know, we used to sing about heaven all the time. My eyes are focused on heaven. I'm on my way to heaven. I'm going to heaven. We all talk about heaven. When some of our loved ones die, we say they went to heaven. They may have, they may not have. But we think that they may have gone to heaven. We talk about heaven. Why? Because heaven is the end result of a life that has been lived by faith in the promises of God. And so we know that whether the promise comes and is fulfilled while we are on this earth, or whether it is in eternity, God will not lie. He cannot, and He will not. So faith is in the promises of God. It's what anchors the soul. Abraham was anchored because of the promise of God. Have you ever thought about Noah and how that God came to Noah and said, I want you to build an ark? What's an ark? Well, it's a boat. I'm going to show you what it is and how to build it. So I'll build it because there's going to come rain. What's rain? It had never rained on the face of the earth. But God made a promise to Noah And he was going to be faithful to the promise. So Noah walked out, listen, for 900 years, he did everything he did based on what God said he was going to do. Think about Noah. Think about about Jonah. You know, I want you to go to Nineveh and preach the gospel. I don't want to go to Nineveh. I hate people in Nineveh. They're like... You know, UK, or they're like U of L. I mean, I hate them. I don't want them to be blessed. I want you to go preach the gospel to them. I don't want to go. And you know the story. But he finally reconnected with the promise of God that God had given him, and because of his faithfulness and his belief in the promise of God, he was able to succeed. Think about Mary in the New Testament. The angel came to her and said, guess what? You're going to become overshadowed by the Spirit of God and you're going to become pregnant and you're going to bring, give birth to the Savior of the world. Say what? I, I mean, I've never done that kind of thing before. Literally, never done that kind of thing before. God is going to overshadow you and what I'm telling you is going to become reality. And Mary started living for the fulfillment of the promise that came by the Spirit of God. You could go and pick out just about any uh, Bible character that you want to pick out. And somewhere in their story, you will realize that they had a moment where God spoke a promise to them, a personal promise to them. And he gave them an assignment and commissioned them to fulfill it. And he said, I will be with you and I will bring everything that is necessary. All the provision that you will ever need, I will bring it and you can do it. Every one of them had a moment like that. And every one of them had a time when they had to decide whether or not they, was, they were going to hope in the promise that God had made or give up entirely. There's nothing that hurts me as a pastor more than to see somebody give up on what they believe that God had said to them and do in their lives and would do in their lives. There's nothing that frustrates me more. Not at the person, but at the enemy of the soul who has succeeded in that person's life and got them to start doubting rather than believing. 
Listen, if you don't hear anything else I say today, hear this. If God said it, just trust in the promise of God. Hold on to it. Hold on to what the Word of God says. Because it will bring you to a place of victory. I, I was sharing with Donna today. Sometimes I give her a little rundown on the message so that she'll you know, be able to get in her mind what she's going to play at the altar service and all that kind of stuff. And, and this is one of the things I told her that I wanted to say to you today. And it is simply this. It comes in the form of a question. I want you to ask yourself this. Does your doing confirm your declaration? Does your doing confirm your declaration? Can I tell you that in the modern age of the church, we've become very good at declaring things. I, I, I mean, we are prosperity to the max. We know how to do it. Get up every day, I declare this, I declare that. I, you know, I, I'm going to this and that and whatever. And we declare it and declare it and declare it. And then we go on and have our coffee and, and live our lives like there's no connection whatsoever to our declaration. None whatsoever. But listen, I want you to know that whatever it is that you're believing God for, you're going to have to back it up by what you do. You can't just say it. You just can't, you can't just declare something and then not act like it is truth. You have to declare it in the name of the Lord and declare it as truth and then walk as though it is. Because it is in the doing that we are blessed. It's not just in the saying. I mean Christians who can declare prosperity are a dime a dozen. And a lot of the times, they're the poorest and most frustrated people in the church. They declare it and declare it and declare it, but they don't do what the Word of God says to make the declaration come to pass. Listen, you've got to declare it, you've got to believe it, but then you've got to do what the Word of God says to do. You've got to put your hope and your faith in the promise of God. You've got to believe that it will come to pass. Thirdly, Hope suppresses doubt while doubt increases fear. Now I want you to get that in your spirit. Hope suppresses doubt while doubt increases fear. Listen, you can't have faith on one side and doubt on the other. They do not coexist. You either have faith or you have doubt. Because if you give place to doubt, it will push hope out of the way. And that's not the way it should be. As Christians, as believers, as those who believe that what God said is true, hope should push doubt out of the way. We declare it and then we do it in Jesus' name. We, dec you know, I, I declare, I declare that I'm going to love that person regardless of what they've done to me. I declare that I'm going to forgive them regardless of their actions against me. But then we go ahead and walk out unforgiveness. And we go ahead and walk out uh, vengeance. When clearly God said, vengeance is mine, saith the Lord. I will repay evil. 
And yet we do and we walk out the things that are contrary to the declaration of faith that we have made. So what we've got to do is we've got to get our hope and our faith on the same page with our declaration. So that the things that we say are lining up with what we are doing. And what we are doing is lining up with what the Word of God tells us to do. And part of the problem is we don't know what God is saying because we spend very little time trying to find out what He has already said. Have we ever been guilty of wanting a fresh word? Because we don't like the word that he's already given. He's already told us this. This is the way this works. But it seems like a lot of effort to have to do what he has already said for us to do. And so therefore we'll do something else while we're waiting on a fresh word. It's like, you know, we just, we just have to hunker down. And we just have to live today as though the promise will come today. Listen, the promise is not going to sneak up behind you and slap you in the face. You're going to begin to see signs as you live out the the Word of God. You're going to begin seeing signs that you're drawing closer and closer to the fulfillment of the promise that God has placed upon your life. You will see the evidence of it. You will begin to see things that are familiar to you. Donna and I were coming back from Lexington yesterday. And she said, uh, let's get home quick. She said, I want to go. I want to get home. And I said, okay. So we, we can, I was driving the car. So it seems fair to me that the person driving can pick the route, right? I mean, you get to pick the way that you'd like to get home. And she started telling me, go this way. She said, if you go this way, you'll get there faster. And I said, I'm going to go this way because I don't like to go that way. And she said, yeah, but there's fewer traffic lights and fewer turns. And if you go that way, you know, and and it's like, you know, I'm driving here. You know, I'm going to turn left here and go down through the neighborhood. Don't go through the neighborhood. They got stop signs down there. You got to stop at every one of them, go down through downtown and all that. So, well, but they have the market downtown today and there's people everywhere and there'll be people crossing the streets. And we're having this conversation about how we're going to get from where we are to where we need to go. Everybody's got an opinion of what's the best way, right? And the bottom line was, because I was driving, I went the way I wanted to go. And, and we got there. And, I, and, and she says, I was right. And so I, she's mouthing that to me even right now. <laughs> I was right. Oh, we got there in plenty of time. It was no big deal. It's not like we had some other place to go. So what I'm saying is, is that we've got to figure out How does God want to get us from where we are to where we need to be? We have to be patient in the process and realize that if we're not careful, the enemy will sneak in and he'll begin saying things to you that you don't need to hear because it will suppress the hope and it will cause doubt to rise in you. If you don't believe me, look at Matthew chapter 14. Verse 25 through 31. Shortly before dawn, Jesus went out to them walking on the lake. 
And when the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified. It's a ghost, they said, and cried out in fear. But Jesus immediately said to them, take courage, it is I, don't be afraid. There's the promise, right? There's the promise of God. Lord, if it's you, Peter said, tell me to come to you on the water. Come, Jesus said. So Peter got down out of the boat, walked on the water, and came toward Jesus. But, everybody say but. Listen, everything's going to be okay as long as you keep your focus on Jesus. It doesn't matter what's going on around you. It doesn't matter if you're in the boat or out of the boat. If your eyes are on Jesus, you can walk on water. But when you get your eyes off of the miracle and you take your eyes off of the promise and get your eyes on the circumstances, things will begin to change in the negative. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid and beginning to sink. He cried out, Lord, save me. And immediately Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. And he said, you of little faith. Why did you doubt? Well, I can tell you why he doubted. He doubted because he swapped his hope and his faith for fear and doubt. He willingly swapped it. It sounded like a good trade. He felt like that he needed to get out of a situation, and so he traded what had been hope and faith, and he traded it for doubt and fear. I don't want to see your hands, but how many of you have ever been guilty of that? I mean, you were focused in faith. You were focused on what you believe God had said to you. You were focused, and you were walking toward the answer. Peter was walking toward Jesus because Jesus said, come. And he was filled with faith. But then all of a sudden, he started looking at other stuff. He started looking at the doctor's report. He started looking at the bank account. He started looking at the economy. He started watching Fox News and CNN and Breitbart. By the way, to all of it. Just stay away from it for a while. I mean, it's way too early to get yourself all set up about an election. I mean, just walk in the promises of God. We start thinking about this and thinking about that and running down our timelines and seeing who all's suffering and who all is breaking up, who all's marriage is falling apart, who all's kids are crazy. And it just puts all this down in our hearts and in our minds. What I'm telling you is the best thing in the world that you can do with your time and for your faith is to stay rooted and grounded in the Word of God and the promises of God and just know that whatever God said, He will perform it because He will not lie to you. He will always accomplish everything that He has said He would do in your life. But you've got to trust it. You have to believe it. Come to me. And then he said, you have little faith. You know, I, I used to read that and think Jesus was being mean to Peter. He, he was rebuking him, if you will. You know what he was really doing? 
He was just pointing out to him where he made the mistake. He was just letting Peter know, oh, there's hope for you. I mean, there's, he, he's, he's going to be victorious. He's going to do all the things that God had called him to do. But in that moment, he allowed doubt to take away the hope that was in his soul. And what I'm saying to you today, and there's some of you listening to me on television today, you've just given up the hope of the promise that God made to you. Listen, if God made you the promise through His Word and by His Spirit, it was confirmed, never give that up to the devil. Never give it up to the enemy. Never give it up, even though it seems like there is no hope. That is exactly what the enemy wants you to think. There's no hope. But listen, there is hope in Jesus. There was a woman, come to the piano if you will, there was a woman who was afflicted with the flow of blood for 12 years. You know the story well. The Bible sets it up in such a way that we would agree there's no hope for this lady. She'd been to all the doctors. She'd spent all of her money. She didn't have anything left. I mean, she was going to die. She's going to bleed to death. She's hemorrhaging. There's no hope for her. But something rose up in her and caused her to start thinking about Jesus and how that Jesus had been telling people everywhere that he could heal and that he did heal and he would heal and he started healing people. And the blind could see, and the, the deaf could hear, and the dumb could speak. And those who were paralyzed and could not walk, they'd pick up their bed and they'd start walking in the name of Jesus. And the word got out. And she decided that she was going to stop listening to those who were discouraging her and were not building faith in her. And she was going to start focusing on the words of what she was hearing from those who were faith-filled people. And she said, I know this thing. She said, if I can just get to where Jesus is, if I can just get into his presence, if I can, it doesn't matter even if I have to crawl on the ground in order to get to him. I don't have to have him recognize me. I don't have to be the first one in line. I'll just crawl up underneath everybody that I can crawl up underneath because I know that if I can just touch just the hem of his garment, I will may be made whole and sure enough she got close enough can I just chase a rabbit for a minute do you care you know what is most impressive to me about that woman is that she made up her mind whatever it takes I'm going to somehow get close to Jesus I don't know how she knew but she knew somehow that the scripture would teach if you'll draw close to him he will draw close to you. I, I don't know how she knew it other than she had just heard it and decided that it was truth. And she made her way. You know what could be so discouraging today? We have so many opportunities to get close to Jesus, but we want to get close to Jesus, but we want to stay as far away from the church as possible. Somebody ought to be saying amen right there. I read just this week, 
that fewer and fewer people are actually going to church than ever before in history. They're declaring that they're religious people. They're declaring that they're believers. But the church, being the bride of Christ, how many of you know that there's no perfect bride? How many of you know that this church, we are the bride of Christ along with many, 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 many others. But we're not a perfect church. We have people in our church, including your pastor. We're imperfect people. But Jesus loves his church. We're his bride. I've never understood people who say, I don't want to go to church because there are imperfect people there. Yeah. That's one of the reasons we come. It's because we need each other. And we need to point each other to a place where we can grow and mature in our faith. But I'd rather stay home. I don't want to be challenged to live beyond where I am right now. I don't want to bring my kids to church because they might be influenced to believe in Jesus. And I want them to feel free to choose whatever religious belief system that they want to believe. Not me. I wanted my kids to love Jesus. When they didn't even know who Jesus was, we'd hold them in our arms and we'd sing songs like, Oh, how I love Jesus. Jesus loves me, this I know. For the Bible tells me so, little ones. To Him belong, we're weak, but He is strong. I wanted my kids to know Jesus. I'm glad my kids know Jesus. Let me tell you, both of my kids, just like so many other kids, decided that they were going to be independent and rebellious for a period of time. None anymore than that little girl that's sitting right over there on the corner about halfway back and the blonde hair that sang in this choir this morning. I thought she would kill me before she finally straightened up and flew right. Let me tell you something. It's our responsibility to teach our kids. It's our responsibility to love them into the kingdom of God. Nothing would be more discouraging to me than to know that my kid didn't make it because I refused to teach them the ways of the kingdom of God. I have a responsibility, church. So why do we do it? Oh, if you only knew how frustrating my children were. If you only knew how hard it was. If you only know. I know. I've raised kids. Got grandkids now. Still trying to raise my wife to be a good woman. We have a responsibility to get hope flowing. Rather than being negative Nellies all the time, doubting Dan's, I just don't know. Listen, it's time for us to change the atmosphere of our life. The atmosphere needs to change. COVID stole our hope. I'm ready to take it back. The politicians, they're trying to steal our hope. They can't have what I have.
Because what I have has been given to me in Jesus. She got through the crowd. She touched the hem of Jesus. And she was made whole. Listen. What are you losing hope about today? What is it? What if, what if God gave you a promise and you just totally gave up on it just before you got to the fulfillment? Don't give up. Plow through in Jesus' name. Keep going in Jesus' name. Put your anchor down. I want you to come this morning. Bring your communion with you. And we're going to have communion here around the altars. And we're going to pray. I've anchored my soul in the haven of rest. I'll sail the wide seas no more. The tempest may sweep or the I'm saved How many of you know that song? Sing it. I've anchored my soul in the haven of rest. I'll save the white seas no more. The may sweep o'er the wild story deep. Here I like this. But in Jesus I'm safe evermore. Jack, Jack, if you need to sit down there on the front row, feel free to do that. If any of the others of you feel free, if you need to sit down, it, it no bother to me be a problem at all. Aren't you glad that Jesus gave his life for you today? I'm glad to be saved. I'm glad to be counted among the believers on this earth. I'm thankful for all that Jesus did for me. He gave his body. He spilled his blood. And he did it all for me. He did it all for you. Can you imagine? Can you imagine would he do that if he didn't intend to see you through? Would he do that if he didn't intend to give you everything that you had need to be victorious? He did it because he knew that if you trust him, that there's no mountain too high that you can't climb. There's no valley too low that you can't go through. Because Jesus will be with you. Aren't you glad for that? Open the bread side. Jesus said to them, this is my body. I want you to take it and I want you to eat it. And as often as you do it, I want you to remember that I did it for you. Will you take the body, the bread? Turn it up the other way now. And then open it up. I almost didn't. 
gave our, his blood. I wish that and Andre Crouch was here this morning and he could sing, The Blood Will Never Lose Its Power. Wouldn't you love to hear that? If you'll play it, I'll sing it. Can you play it? Now, why, what's all this talk about the blood? Well, it was the blood that Jesus shed gave us the power that we have. He gave them the cup and he said, take this cup and drink it. And as often as you do, remember, I spilled my blood for you. Will you take it? take a moment just thank the Lord for what he's done thank thank the Lord for what he's done is that it can we sing it now do it one more time reaches to the an addiction, something that just pulls you in on a regular basis. And every time you do it, every time you participate in it, you, you feel so low and so dirty and so bad. And you think, I'm never going to beat this. I'm never going to defeat it. I'm going I'm to quit trying. Don't quit trying. Don't give up. There's hope in Jesus Christ. Set your anchor. In the midst of the storm, set your anchor on the hope of His promise and you'll come through if you're here today and you need for God to help you retain your hope this morning I want you to just step right up here as front as close as you can get and the prayer team's going to come and we're going to pray with you today listen we don't even need to know what the circumstance is we're just going to pray that God will restore your hope and are there others? Come on up front. Come right here. Come right here. God's going to help you today. Set your hope upon His promises. There you go. There you go. Are there any others? Come, if you will. Hallelujah. Stretch your hands this way now, church, and pray for these. Just pray for a restoration of hope today. In Jesus' name, a restoration of hope. For it reaches to the highest mountain. And it flows to the lowest 
scripture with me if you can. I'm going to give you the words. You just repeat after me. Say this. For I am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I have committed unto him against or until that day. Amen. Are you persuaded? Say it again. For I am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I have committed unto him against that day. I am persuaded that he is able to keep that. Donna, I am persuaded that he is able to keep that. Abraham looked at Sarah every morning and said, I'm persuaded that he is able to keep that which I've committed unto him. Let's try again. I am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I've committed until that day. You believe it? Amen. The anchor holds. Hallelujah. There is hope in Jesus with the Lord today and have a wonderful week. I'll see you back here. Now listen, I know I've been harping about and fussing about Wednesday night, midweek. I'm going to try my best not to do that anymore, but listen, Marlowe, if she is able to be here Wednesday night, she'd like to give her testimony about how that God brought her from a brain aneurysm to health and healing and back in church again. So if you'd like to hear that testimony, come Wednesday night at 7 o'clock and we'll enjoy Bible study together. Have a wonderful week. God bless you.